Hello and welcome along to Minus 16. I'm David Lewis and this is a podcast where we talk about everything Apple. Normally, I do these podcasts every fortnight, but as we've had an event in the last couple of days, I thought I'd jump on and give you a quick update of what we were given at the event and some of my thoughts as well. Before I get into the uh, what we got at the event, just one thing that really surprised me was the audio. I don't know if anybody else picked up on it or not, but the audio seemed to be well, poor, to be honest with you. Not the quality of the audio, it was the balance of the audio that seemed to be really poor, insofar as uh, the music was very, very loud and the dialogue much, much quieter, to the point that I found myself reaching to uh, for the remote control every time. As soon as the music stopped, I had to turn the volume down again, to be, uh, sorry, turn the volume back up again to be able to hear the people speaking. So I would have expected better of Apple. I don't know if you experienced that or not. I was watching it in a pretty good system, so I don't think it was necessarily my end, but uh, the mix just seemed to be poor to me. So Apple, I expect better of you. You didn't get a good score on my report card for that. <laughs> um, but then on to the actual bits and bobs that we were given as precursors, as frontrunners to the event. Uh, we were talk- First of all, they spoke about Apple TV, and there wasn't a lot to say about that. It was a little bit of a self-congratulatory pat on the back, saying how well we've done and how well the acts have done for being nominated for various Grammys and BAFTAs and uh, Oscars. Uh, but uh, one thing they have done is finally got into live sports. And now on a Friday evening, uh, Friday night, I believe, over in the States, you're going to be able to watch live baseball on Apple TV+. Plus. They didn't make it clear whether that was part of the basic uh, subscription or not. I believe it was. Otherwise, I'm sure they would have mentioned it. And I know that Apple have been in negotiations with the NFL to try and get Sunday evening football, live football coverage. So maybe this is their first taste into live sport just to see how they get on with it. And uh, I would have thought they get the football. That will definitely be an additional cost to your general subscription. But yes, you can now watch baseball. So I might find myself watching a little bit of baseball on a Sunday night into a Sunday morning. Never really understood the game, but I'm willing to give it a go. Tried it a couple of times. <laughs> Used to be a cricketer in past life, so it always seemed to be make sense to me somehow. But anyhow. Uh, then we moved on to the iPhone SE, the rather oddly named Special Edition SE. And it's anything but special. It's a very bland phone, actually based on the iPhone 8. Uh, It's the entry-level iPhone that they're hoping to win over millions and millions of users from Android over to iOS. Uh, Now on the iPhone 5 SE, the third gen, you can get 5G in it. Not really fussed about 5G myself, but I think it's the fastest uh, band of 5G they've got packed into that phone now. And it also comes with the A15 Bionic chip, which I believe means you get a slightly better HDR response on the screen and some photographic styles and things like that. So the chip inside is good, but the handset is old and very basic. It's got it's still got finger uh, touch ID on it. So if that's the kind of phone you want, something retro style with curved edges, that'll be the phone for you. And then talking of iPhones, we were given two new colours as well on the iPhone 13 range. If you're a Pro and Pro Max user, you get Alpine Green because you're the most important customers to them. And if you're just a regular Uh, iPhone 13 or 13 mini user, then I'm afraid you only get plain green. You don't get Alpine green. You do not warrant the expense of Alpine green. I'm sorry to tell you. So there's two new colors on the iPhone 13. Most of these things begin shipping, by the way, on Friday the 18th of March. It's going to be a mighty busy day that day. Uh, And onto the iPad Air, we knew again that we were getting that. It now has the M1 chip inside of it, and it's got a 12 megapixel ultra-wide angle camera, which means it's now running center stage. So all of the 
iPads that Apple are selling now run center stage. That's that clever little feature where no matter where you move, the camera kind of follows you. And with a bit of computational wizardry keeps you center of the screen or center stage, don't you know? And the last thing that they mentioned just before getting into the big guns was that there is a new version of iMovie coming in April with a bag of new features. They mentioned some uh, added transitions and I think you get some more music and basic music beds thrown into the software as well. That's coming your way in April. So if you enjoy using iMovie, then you haven't got long to wait for an update on that. So we kind of knew that those were just the precursors. We knew that they were the little bits and bobs and we were kind of getting a little bit bored, drumming our fingers, wondering when we were going to get the big announcement and then Tim Cook did it. Oh yes, well in actual fact it was John Turnus who was given the responsibility of first announcing it. But on the Monday before, the day before the event, Luke Miani, a YouTuber, leaked uh, very accurately that we would be getting this brand new tier of Mac called a Mac Studio or Studio Mac, actually, and a monitor to go along with it. And he was absolutely spot on. And the renders that he put out were virtually to the last nut and bolt accurate. So we did indeed get this brand new Mac. It's called the Mac Studio, as I mentioned. You can get it basically in two forms. You can get it with the M1 uh, Max inside of it or a brand new chip, which is called the M1 Ultra. If you think of the M1 Ultra as two M1 Maxes kind of taped together, that's kind of what you've got inside. Some of the figures and uh, speed performance boosts they were claiming were just ridiculous. They put up these graphs that kind of transitioned off the screen incredibly quickly, just showing one curve higher than another curve. And I'm taking from that we're supposed to believe that it's a very fast chip. And I have no doubt that it is. Um, but of course, it does come at a cost. And I'll be talking about that in a little while's time. It's the capability that I'm going to be talking about in a little bit while in a little while's time, and I'll just be interested to know what your thoughts of it are. And if you're looking to get in touch with me about any of my ruminations here on the podcast, or just generally, don't forget you can hook up with me over on Twitter, which is at dtalkingtech, or you can email me, which is david at talkingtechandaudio.com. So I mentioned that there was a monitor that came along with the Studio Mac, and it's called the Studio Monitor. It's a 5K display, 27 inches diagonally across the screen is the working area that you've got. It comes with a basic stand very similar to the current iMacs that you can get to the 24-inch M1 iMac. It's that kind of stand. And I think it's going to be a great display. And again, I will talk prices in a little while, but uh, I think that display they pitched really, really cleverly. It's spot on. I do think I'll be getting one of those. I've been looking for a decent monitor for a long time. And with that monitor, kind of think of it in a way that you're getting the, as I mentioned, the M1 24-inch iMac that was released last year, that panel just blown up to 27 inches. But most importantly, but it's now got the same 12, uh, the the ultra-wide angle 12-megapixel camera that I mentioned a moment ago that's in all of the iPads. You've got that in a Mac for the first time, and it is running center stage. This monitor has actually got the A13 chip inside it, so it can run center stage. Not only you get that, you get the mics inside to go with it. There are three mics in there, which are meant to be studio quality mics with some sort of noise compression running as well. And you also get the six uh, sound stereo system, the six speaker stereo system in there as well. And the MacBook Pro sounds sensational, so I've got no reason to think that the speakers in a desktop won't sound even better with that larger casing around it. So all in all, that monitor is now running a camera and microphones and also speakers. I think it's got four tweeters and two woofers, I seem to recall, but it's a hell of a screen. So that is coming as well. So that is your Studio Mac lineup. You've got the Studio Mac itself, which to look at is 
kind of like, uh, if you think of a Mac Mini in its footprint, but a bit taller, about sort of three or four inches taller. That's the kind of style and design. It does look lovely. It's got a load of holes drilled at the bottom where it's going to be cool, uh, sucking cold air, and then the hot air gets blown out of the back. And most of the depth of the machine is actually taken up with cooling because there's a lot going on inside of that little box. Port-wise, you get pretty much everything you want. If you buy the M1 Ultra machine, you get two Thunderbolt ports on the front and an SD card slot. And then on the back, you get four USB Type-C slots. You get two USB Type-A ports, HDMI, and a 10 gig Ethernet connection on the back of it. And if you buy the M1 Pro version of the Studio Mac. The ports on the front aren't Thunderbolt, they are just USB Type-C. So you've got all the ports in the world that you could possibly want, and it is a great range. Now, before I begin talking about the, the main parts that I wanted to get onto and the usability of this uh, new machine, it was just looking at the costs. Uh, the monitor itself, I think, is very competitively priced. It's still expensive, don't get me wrong, but it is a 5K monitor. That's coming in at uh, £1,599, so to you and me, £1,600. It's a lot, yes, but it is a good quality 5K monitor. There's a couple of extras you could throw onto there if you wanted to, like nano texture glass. Uh, you could get a vase mount if you particularly wanted to be able to spin your display to run vertically. And if you wanted a height adjustable stand, I do find it a little bit com uh, confusing that they didn't think it worthy of putting a height adjustable stand as basic. But there you go. You don't get height adjustable on the basic stand. But then again, you don't on IMAX. If you want to add that in, they are the two extras that you can put on to the new studio monitor. And say so that's going for $15.99. On to the uh, actual studio Mac. Now, <laughs> yeah, it starts. The, if you're looking at the... M1 Ultra version, it starts at £3,999. £3,400 is the entry level, is the starting price. But if you begin to spec it up, you can very quickly get to £8,000 on this bit of kit. So it's clearly aimed at high-end users, and you'd have to be a very profitable and busy creative to be thinking about uh, going out and buying one of these. I'm sure there are people that will, but that's the part of the podcast I really wanted to get into. I'm kind of given to thinking that Apple now are literally just playing with this. They've developed this Apple Silicon, and from last year at its inception with the M1, it became clear that we were heading into a brand new era of personal computing. They are incredibly efficient, they are wonderful when it comes to cooling, and they're very, very energy efficient too. They don't require much in the way of housing, so they're all very compact, slim devices that they can run. And Apple pretty much are just saying, look what we can do. There seems to be absolutely <laughs> no limits to these at the moment, to these chips. And this M1 Ultra, where they bonded two chips together, normally you get a bit of, uh, of an efficiency lag in that, but they managed to actually virtually double it up exactly. So however, the I think they call it Ultra Fusion, the way they're bonding these two chips together. But you're literally getting double the power that you are from an M1 Pro. Now... I don't know if we just got to the point where there's more power than we need. My use of a Mac, I would say, is probably slightly above average, I'm guessing, insofar as obviously I make and edit podcasts such as you're listening to now. I edit videos for the YouTube channel, and I'm also a graphic designer. So most of those tasks are relatively processor-heavy at some point, or graphically heavy, certainly, when we come to video. And yeah, okay, my Macs are struggling a little bit, but would I need this 
kind of power. They were saying that you could run something like 18 streams of 8K video all at once. That would be movie level. Now, I, I, I don't know who, even in content creator land, is going to be needing that much power. And I, I just wonder if we've kind of got to a tipping point now where, yeah, we've got the power, but any more power surely is overkill. It's kind of like, I, I, in my blog, I, I made the analogy, it's like watching a car go really, really fast and then watching another car go that little bit faster. I mean, it's cool, it's very clever, but it does it really mean anything? I don't know, does it help the day? I was looking at this uh, event yesterday, I made a video about it, and then on, on the reflection, when I was editing the video and I was sitting sort of quite calmly thinking about what I'd just seen, I realised that although, yeah, of course I loved watching the event, it really wasn't for me. <laughs> there, there was nothing there that I thought, uh, I mean, the money alone, if I was going to get a reasonable uh, studio Mac out of this it, with a monitor, it's going to be cost me £6,000. And I don't think it warrants it. Even for the level of work that I do, I just don't think I need the amount of power that they're offering me. You can go, I mean, with this latest Studio Mac, you can spec it all the way up to a 64-core GPU and 128 gigs of unified RAM. Well, even the 32 gigs of unified RAM that you can get on MacBook Pros eat up the kind of work that I would be doing and certainly eclipse, totally eclipse, the Macs that I'm currently running. Now, the Macs that I'm running at the moment, yes, they are creaking just a little bit. They are showing signs of struggling Certainly on, when I'm rendering out videos, I know I've got a wait that's far too long and that's something that does need addressing. That's one of the reasons I'm thinking of changing up. But I don't think I'd need to be spending £4,000 on a Studio Mac to make my workflow better. I don't know. I mean, let me know. What kind of work do you do? Do you honestly think that the kind of work that you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis warrants, for starters, spending upwards of £4,000 for the M1 Ultra chip. And would you spec a machine that heavily? I honestly don't see it. And as I say, I think my workflow is possibly heavier than some others. So then that got me to thinking, well, sure, I'm mighty impressed with what they've given us, but would I buy one? No, is the simple answer. I wouldn't. Now we've got the monitor. What I'm thinking I will probably do, and at the moment I work out of two spaces, uh, so I think what I'd probably do is look to get the studio monitor because a monitor I have wanted for a long, long time. But of course, a monitor will go with any Mac that I end up running it with. So that is a sort of a standalone one-off purchase, if you like. And I think for me, the best way to go would be to get a 16-inch MacBook Pro because then when I'm in the main space, I can hook it up to the studio monitor so I can work on a lovely 27-inch monitor as I have become used to over the years. Generally, I work on a 27-inch machine. And uh, then if I'm not at that space, I've got the actual heart of the computer, the 16-inch MacBook Pro with me at all times so that I can work on a beautiful, beautiful screen, albeit a little bit smaller than I would generally like. But if I'm only using that every now and again, it's not going to be the end of the world. It is a beautiful display. I mean, actually, from a technical point of view, it's a better display than the studio monitor because it's got 120 hertz refresh rate. And I think it's brighter screen and panel as well, and it's XDR. So it is actually a better panel, albeit it's a 10 or 11 inches smaller. But um, I think that's the way that I would tend to go. 
So I'm going to sit tight for a little while and just think about things because it's a big investment, but I think that's the way I'll probably end up going. And then I got to thinking, have Apple kind of killed off the pro range of Macs? Because at the moment, we've been used to a consumer level in which you can get the MacBook Air, the Mac Mini, and the 24-inch iMac that was released last year. All those machines are running M1 chips. I'm assuming at some point this year, they'll be given the M2 chip. And then after that, of course, we've got the MacBook Pros that were released at the end of last year. You've got all the ports you could possibly want on those. Do you remember just a few short months ago, four months ago, five months ago, Everyone was eulogizing about those as being so quick, the absolute end of computing as we know it. And here we are. <laughs> the bar has been raised yet again, but they are still mighty, mighty machines. So you've got that level of speed. And now, after the MacBook Pros, we've now got the Mac Studio. Well, the Studio Mac must get it the right way around. Uh, with all the speed that's been with it. And as I said, when they mention things that uh, kind of analysis that you could run 18 streams of 8K video on it, well, doesn't that take care of I would have thought at least 99% of professionals out there, would you ever need to be running a machine more powerful than that? And then where does that leave us with the Pro range? They've got two machines that still are running Intel in their lineup at the moment, and that is the Mac Pro and the high-end Mac Mini. But in what they delivered to us this week at peak performance, they've kind of got away with both of those. I believe the iMac Pro is no longer for sale. Rest in peace. It was a great machine. Uh, that's no longer for sale. So it is just the Mac Pro and the Pro level of the Mac Mini that are running Intel. Well, of course, this new Studio Mac is basically the Pro level of a Mac Mini. It's a similar design, beefier and better looking, but kind of based on the footprint and the heritage of the Mac Mini. And it's faster, quicker, and more efficient than the Mac Pro, which uh, can cost three times the amount of, of this latest machine. You can spend easy £25,000 on a Mac Pro, and it's not as quick. So either they're going to build a Mac Pro to replace it based on Apple, Apple Silicon, but of course it won't be modular. You won't be able to change out cards and graphics as you've been able to in the past, which has been kind of the USP and why professionals have loved that machine, because you could tailor it to your needs. But I just don't see where it's going to sit anymore, having a pro range of machines. Those two machines don't seem to work, do they? What do you think? Um, because as I say, we've kind of got away from the Mac Mini and you wouldn't need something even more powerful than this in a Mac Pro. And if they did want to make something more powerful, would you need something the size of a Mac Pro that's now going to be sitting on the floor? Surely having all of this power but sitting neatly on the desk underneath the monitor, isn't that the way to go? So everything's in reach. You've got the SD card slot on the front. Everything's really easy to work with. It makes no noise. It's got no fan noise to it, apparently. It's super cool running. I just think that we've kind of seen the end of the line for Mac Pros. I don't know. I've never owned a Mac Pro. I've seen one being used, and yeah, might impressive, but impressive for its time. I don't know if it is still as impressive now. Where are they going to go with this, with these range of Apple Silicon chips? As I made the point in, a, in the blog that I wrote about this, saying that in one short year, we've gone from the M1 to the M1 Max, or M1 Pro, M1 Max, now M1 Ultra. And can they keep just bolting together? Can they bolt together the M1 Ultra to another M1 Ultra and basically give us four M1 Max chips in one computer? 
But I come back to that same point, who is going to need that amount of computational power? I I just don't get it. Um, but it's also interesting to look at the rumours and leaks that we had leading up to this. Now, I've got my own thoughts and views on that. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a born sceptic. I've been around the sun a few times, and uh, those years on the planet have taught me to be rather sceptical, not believe everything that we're given. Is it coincidental that 24 hours before the event, we suddenly get these stories and leaks and rumours about what we're going to get? And don't forget, they were absolutely perfect. Apple full well know there is a whole community out there, people like myself, that give them column inches for free. We write loads about them. We make videos about them. We give them all the publicity they could possibly want. They can roll up to the event with the job pretty much done. And I don't know if these are actual leaks or not because they can manage to lock down things. I I was watching the the promo video that was running during the course of the uh, event itself. And they cut away to these sign show, uh, these studios where they had actors using the new Studio Mac. So plenty of people had seen it. And are you telling me that every single one of those who doubtless had been asked to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure, um, do you honestly believe that none of those would have said anything to husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend? It's got to be so hard to keep things locked down. And yet Apple do. And still we're given to believe that these rumours are luck or being in the right place at the right time. I think, I, I really do have a belief that they put these leaks out to their own benefit. They let out just enough through the right channels to make it seem that it's an accident. I think they've probably got leakers in amongst the community to do this job for... Apple are an amazing company. They do not make mistakes. And I don't think they would let anything out of their supply chain of knowledge if they didn't want it to be out there. And what better way of publicising the event, you could argue that Apple don't need to publicise an event, but what better way is there to publicise an event than by having everyone going around talking about what you've just got coming up at your event. It's free publicity, isn't it? You would pay for things like that in old days. And Apple, I think, have got one over on us. So I'm not so sure about these leaks. I think Apple are possibly playing a game on us because... If we were to get something that was radically different and suddenly that came true, I'd be more given to believe it. But when it is exactly as per the product that we're given, I don't know. I don't know. I'm rambling there. But that's my kind of thought on it. I'd love to know what you think. Don't forget, there are several ways you can get in touch with me. On Twitter, of course, it's D Talking Tech, and the email, as I mentioned, is david at talkingtechandaudio.com. I'm mentioning that domain, talkingtechandaudio.com. If you want to leave me your email details over there, I do a weekly newsletter. It goes out on a Sunday morning, so you can sit and watch me over a cup of coffee, you lovely people, and just see what I've been up to or hear what I've been up to in the week previous and what I've got going on in the week coming up and just general thoughts and ruminations. So if you want to do some of that, then uh, don't forget to leave me your contact details over on the website. And also, I've mentioned a couple of times, blogging. I'm loving writing at the moment. And if you want to go over to Medium, you'll find me over there. And there are also details in the show notes to this podcast of where you can find me. If you happen to listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, by the way, it really does help if you rate and review. Well, I say that only if you give it a good rating and a good review. If you think the podcast is rubbish, 
please don't rate and review. Just pretend you never listened to it and move straight along. Um, but yes, if you can do that over on Apple Podcasts, that really does help me. And I think that's kind of the main things I wanted to bring you uh, on this podcast. It was just a little extra, a little bonus because of the peak performance event. Uh, I'd be, do let me know if anyone else found that uh, issue with the audio because that did trouble me. It really did. Uh, it just seems so out in the mix. And I, they have got the best of the best of the best working on it. So I know I probably shouldn't criticise. Who am I to criticise the might of Apple and the boffins that work at uh, their offices? But um, to me, the audio, although crisp and clear, the levels were a long way out. So, so let me know if you too thought that was a little bit odd. But just recapping on what we were actually given at the event so we were given live baseball on a Friday night on Apple TV+. Plus. By the way, have you watched the good, uh, good Morning Show on Apple TV+. Plus? I got into that and it is a brilliant watch with Jennifer Aniston in it. Absolutely st uh, stunning. Reese Witherspoon in it too. Uh, I watched that all three, two seasons from start to finish. Really, really good. And I've just started watching After Party as well. Another Sky, another Sky original, another Apple TV original, which is... Seems certainly I've only watched the first one or two episodes, but it's got me hooked. You know, the way with TV, the way that you just get hooked on the first moment or two. Well, that had it for me. It's called After Party, you'll find it on Apple TV Plus. So that was uh, the mention of baseball and Apple TV was at the first they mentioned the event. Then we were given the upgrades on the iPhone 5SE, now with 5G and the A15 Bionic chip. After that, it was the two new colors on the iPhone 13s iPad Air has been given the M1 chip with the 12 megapixel camera and center stage. And oh, new, yeah, the iPad as well has been given uh, a new color. It's got a lovely sort of purpley mauve color. And a new version of iMovie is coming in April as well. So if you're a mad keen video editor and love using iMovie, then it's coming to you soon. I only used iMovie a couple of times years and years and years ago for a couple of uh, like home videos that I was doing at the time, tried using it, kind of got along with it okay. All the video editing I do now, I do in Adobe Premiere Pro. You know that I'm a big Premiere Pro user, and this podcast, for instance, is being recorded in Adobe Audition. I kind of understand the way their, their suite of apps work. I'm sure you know what it's like when you get used to one product in Adobe, everything else kind of flows. It's got the same keyboard shortcuts. Um, if you get used to the way things look and flow in Photoshop, then it kind of works in Illustrator and InDesign. And then in audio, if you understand how it works in Adobe Audition, when you go over to the audio panel in Premiere Pro, all looks kind of the same. And of course, the apps talk to one another. Uh, there's a great thing in Adobe and Premiere where you can bounce the audio back and forth. So you can do all the heavy audio editing straight from Premiere. You send it back to Audition, do the editing there and then it bounces back to your project in Premiere Pro. All very clever, but yeah, I'm an Audition and Audio, sorry, Audition and Adobe Boy through and through. But if you do like using iMovie and Final Cut Pro, then you've got that new uh, version of iMovie coming. And talking of the, uh, the professional level apps that Apple make, of course, I just mentioned Final Cut Pro. Do you use Logic Pro? Because I know a lot of the people on YouTube seem to use Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro. And I don't know if I'm missing something. I'm really happy with Adobe, but if there's anything I'm missing that you think would improve my workflow, I'd be really keen and eager to hear from you because I hear so many people talking about it 
that I don't if I'm missing out. But that said, I don't know if I'd want to relearn. Uh, I've taught myself the hard way in many aspects. I've sat many a long hour night, teach myself how to edit video, how to edit audio. And I'm not saying I'm the best, but I kind of get away, away with it. And it's as good as I need for the things that I do. And there's not many things that leave me tripped up anymore. But I just don't know if I'd want to switch over unless there's something absolutely amazing that I'm missing in Logic and Final Cut Pro. So do let me know. The next podcast will, of course, be in around about a week's time because I've stepped in a week ahead of schedule because we had the peak performance event. I just thought that was a good excuse to uh, get another podcast out and give you my thoughts and let you know what actually happened. And also, I'm glad to say on the blogs that I wrote about the event, I was pretty accurate in what I was saying because one of the points I came out with was that the iPhone 5SE was going to have a bigger battery. I wrote about that, and indeed it has been given a bigger battery. You see, I do all the snooping around for you and bring you great details. And speaking of which, the blog that I put out on a Friday is actually, well, basically Apple Views. It's where I round up all of the various Apple stories that I've uh, found during the week and bring them into one neat little blog for you. And then I generally make a video about that now as well, which goes out Friday or on a Saturday And so if you want to just find one place to get uh, up to date with all of the Apple news for the week, then either the blog or that video could be the place for you. All of the places you can find me are uh, in the details on this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it interesting. And it was just a quick catch up to let you know what happened at the peak performance event uh, from just a couple of days ago. I'd love to know what you thought of it. Are you going to go buying? Are you going to be flexing the plastic? do let me know. And I'll be back with you in just a few short days time, around a week's time, the next minus 16 to be with you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, get in touch with me with all your thoughts on what we had at this week's peak performance. And I will catch you in a few short days time. 